The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about internet extortion. And I was reading the Daily Journal, which I do every day, and I saw this wonderful article called New Bill Targets Internet Extortion by Brian Akabatek and Evan Zucker. And we are just so thrilled that they are with us today from Los Angeles. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about each one of them. Brian Kabatek is a consumer rights attorney and founder of Kabatek Brown Keller, Kellner LLP in Los Angeles. And he is the immediate past president of the Consumer Attorneys of California. And he's had many multi-million dollar um, uh, judgments, uh, jury verdicts, and he has been on CNN, MSNBC, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, and CW stations. And he's done wonderful work for consumers. And I I could just go on and on, but we do have his bio up on KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And also with him is Evan Zucker, who is an attorney at Cabotech Brown Kellner LLP again in Los Angeles, and he practices in the area of consumer class actions, bad faith insurance, litigation, employment class actions, and real estate litigation. And he also is dedicated to fighting for individual rights, as well as protecting the rights of consumers who've been harmed by unlawful acts. So these guys are wearing white hats, and they're coming to us all the way from Los Angeles up the road, and we're just thrilled to have you guys join us. Thank you so much, Brian and Evan. Well, thank you very much for having us, Mari. We're happy to be here and happy to be talking to you about a subject that's so important. It is really important. So let's talk first about the pervasiveness of on the, of the kind of Internet extortion and industry humiliation that is going on. Brian, you want to start out and tell us a little bit about that? Sure, I'm happy to. You know, what we're looking at now today in this age that we live in is a, is a information age, and it's certainly out there, and there's a lot of good that goes along with that. And, uh, of course, for those of us that can remember what the world was like before the Internet, we know that there wasn't the kind of uh, access to information. But what goes along with that is, unfortunately, a loss to some extent of, of privacy and of private information. Now, try as you may to, to safeguard your private information. What we've seen happening is that people that have either uh, a profit motivation or just an evil intent 
taking advantage of the information that's out there on the Internet and using it to their advantage to try to uh, either hurt somebody or, whether they hurt somebody or not, they're trying to make profit, and they're trying to make profit off of someone's own misery. So a couple of quick examples come to mind about that that, that is out there right now. And, of course, we've seen uh, people taking pictures and photographs and putting them up on the Internet to get back at somebody so-called sexting or taking advantage of other people's private pictures and putting them up there so that they're there. And, of course, we know that in the, the world of the Internet, um, nothing really ever goes away. Right. And we hear uh, stories about, you know, Target, Home Depot, and other types of retailers who have had private information hacked. Well, this is a little different than that. This is yes. where somebody is taking information that they're able to arrive at on the Internet or locate on the Internet, potentially through constitutionally protected means or through information that's disseminated, and they turn around and take that information and they put it up on the Internet because what their goal is is to utilize the Internet's ability to uh, capitalize on somebody's name, in other words, to put things in the Internet where if they type a search in and they're looking for Brian Kabatek or Mari Frank or anybody like that, they're able to put that information up there. So it's one of the first things that comes up when someone's doing a search yes. uh, for our names. Yes. And they know that because they've got people who know the tricks and know how to get the information out there. Here's where it gets very interesting. They're putting that information out there not because they're trying to protect the public or they're trying to do anything for an altruistic reason. They're putting it up there so that one person notices, and that person is you. Mm -hmm. And the reason they do that is because they want you to see, oh, my God, somebody has this confidential information out there about me. So you'll contact them. And then once you contact them, they say to you, ah, yeah, well, you want us to take that down? Right. That'll cost you a monthly subscription. That'll right. cost you a fee. Right. And then you pay the fee, and you think that you've, you've gotten rid of that information on the Internet, and instead, we're finding that a lot of these companies are connected. And, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, calling them companies is probably being too kind. These, these Extortionists. Yeah, yeah, scammers. These, exactly. <laughs> and they're connected. And what they do is they share and swap the information. So then the next thing that happens is you think you've paid somebody to take this information down about you, and it pops up right, right, right away somewhere else in some other company, and they want money. Because once you pay one of them, you're going to pay all of them. Yes. And yeah. this is an insidious practice. It's going on on a widespread basis. I think we're seeing it happening more and more and more. In fact, it's gone so deep now that we're finding companies that call themselves Internet Reputation Services. Oh, yeah. I actually had on the CEO and the general counsel for Reputation Defender. Yeah, I had them on. It's, it's amazing. And there are more and more out there. And, and one has, you know, they've contacted me to talk about things. So uh, yeah, some of them are, are legit, because there's no other way to get this stuff down. And some of them are, like you said, co-conspirators. That's right. And I, what I found is that, and I agree with you, there are ones out there that are legitimate, that are trying to do a good job, but there's other ones out there that they might as well just call themselves shakedown artists. They, if yes. this were 50 years ago with organized crime, they'd be the people who are coming to your store and asking you to pay for protection. Yes. Because if you don't yeah. pay them for protection, something bad's going to happen uh, because they're the ones who are going to be behind it. And this is a huge problem. And, Mari, this is one of the issues I see over and over again with the Internet today. 
which is the law and modern society can't keep up with the pace by which the scammers are out there taking advantage of our personal private information. Right, right. So it kind of leads us to one of the reasons why we're interested in this is a lawsuit that Evan and I are working on right now, and that's against a company called Mugshots.com. Yep. And this company was, we allege, at least our lawsuit, was doing this for pure profit. So they let's were, let's kind of talk about what that is, because I think, you know, I know what it is because I read your article. But uh, let's have Evan explain the, the, you know, what started the whole thing with these mugshots. If people understand that nobody's convicted yet. So why don't you um, explain a little bit, Evan, about what are the facts behind this? Sure, sure, Mari. Thank you. Uh, what this is, is this is a, a website. It's, it's uh, the kind of thing that we're seeing over and over by many companies, not, not only just mugshots.com, where what they do is they post a, a mugshot and a biography of uh, some uh, allegations of a crime, and then they solicit a fee to take down those those pictures or that that allegation. Now, in these cases, many of the people never convicted. Often, people were never even charged with whatever crime is is uh, is alleged in these these uh, biographies. But these websites use that to extort people, uh, to get people to pay them this protection money to take that information down. So that they're not harmed in in uh, you know their everyday lives and their their general reputation. But isn't it true that once it's up, it's probably replicated in other places, and you don't know who saw it and who shared it and what else was done with it? That's absolutely true. And one of the things that we're finding is you know people have called me and said, "Hey, this happened to me too." And when I did pay them to have this you know my picture removed. I, it just pops up somewhere else, and and then that that new site is asking me for another three hundred dollars or four hundred dollars to take it down. So, so you're absolutely right. It you know it, it's like with anything else on the internet. Once it's out there, you know the cat's out of the bag. And you know what's really important, I think, at least in the state of California, for example, you know, arrest records are not supposed to be included in background checks. So if it's only conviction records, right? And so you have this, maybe you were arrested by mistake or you're arrested, you're, you're at some, you know, I don't know, football game and there's a riot and they <laughs> arrest everybody and they throw them all in. You get a bug mugshot, but then they let you go. And, you know, you weren't really even you were never convicted of anything. You never went to trial, nothing. And then you've got a mugshot out there, right? Isn't that what? But but it cannot be. But those arrest records are not to be included in a background check, only conviction records. So then you go and you try and get a job and you can't get one. Isn't that true, Brian? So, so right, and and what we see happen is people who have position in the community. They've worked hard. You know, they, something happened when they were eighteen years old, nineteen years old. Like you said, they weren't convicted, or even if they were convicted, it's for something extraordinarily nominal. It's an infraction or a minor misdemeanor. Right. Um, you know, intoxicated in public or, or attending a party to too much noise, and they pay a fine, and it, it, it's something behind them. Now here we are, ten years, twenty years down the road, and these people are part of society, they've got families, there's nothing else that's ever happened in their life. I mean, let those among us who didn't have some youthful indiscretion be the first to cast a stone. It's, it's right. ridiculous. And now what happens is these people go to apply for a job. 
And of course, once again, the era that we're in, all this information's out there. Anything and everything is available for somebody who simply has access to the Internet. They, they type in your name, they do a search, whether it's Google, Yahoo, or some other database, and there comes that picture. And yes. it's affecting people. Yeah. And it's absolutely outrageous that this is happening, for one. But number two, someone's trying to profit off of some misfortune that you had 20 years ago? Yeah. And that, that wouldn't ever even be included in a background check if they do a, a valid background check. It can't be. Right. So, so it's really in violation of law anyway. But what are you going to do if that thing comes up? You do a, a search on somebody's name and that comes up. So, Evan, how do you respond to critics when they argue that access to mugshots is an important part of a journalistic coverage and freedom of speech and the public's right to know? Well, I, I think that's a very reasonable concern, and I think, it's, uh, I, I think that the news organizations uh, should certainly have access um, and the ability to you know, post a mugshot uh, after an arrest if they're writing a story on that. Uh, this is different, though. Yeah. This is a wholesale publication of an entire database of mugshots and arrest uh, information that's put out there not for the purpose of informing the public about, you know, maybe somebody in your neighborhood uh, who, who might be dangerous, but instead just to extort money out of people. And so, you know, there's protections in the law already for journalistic integrity, and certainly no journalist uh, would ever consider doing what, what's being done here, which is charging somebody to take down a story that's, that's uh, uh, unfavorable to them. So, right. so it, it, those protections are already in place. Yeah, yeah. So, Brian, uh, w- let's talk a little bit about the Communications Decency Act um, and, and what role has the CDA played in litigation against these website proprietors? Well, let's take our case, for example. The Communications Decency Act, unfortunately, is being used uh, by the defendant in our case to argue that they're protected because that the mugshots were created by a third party and that they're simply the intermediary who's posting the, the information up there. Now, what we're really talking about here is, and what it's intended for is a situation where a Internet company, a provider, um, for, take, for example, Instagram, they're not being the uh, party that's making the determinations about what kind of content or what kind of pictures are being put up on their site. They're just simply the site that people are allowed to share information on. Right. And there, you know, and Evan and I have had debates about this, there there probably is some good reason for protecting them. We want the free dis- uh, dissemination of information out in the community. We want people to feel protected to have these kind of websites so that there can be dialogue. I personally think, and it's my personal view, that it, it goes a little too far and offers a little too much protection. But nevertheless, it, it's intended for somebody who has absolutely nothing to do with the content that's being put up there. Right. Unfortunately, in our case, the defendant is attempting to use it as a, as a shield and a sword and to say, you can't sue us, you have no standing to sue us because um, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just putting information out there uh, on the Internet that exists from another source. Ah, well, that's not really what you're doing, is it? Because it isn't a third party who's posting the information. It isn't uh, somebody that's just putting it up there for free discussion. It's being put up there, at least we allege in our case, for a profit motive. And right. the profit motive is only successful if they optimize those names and if the optimization of those names means that any time somebody does a search for you, your mugshot comes up. Yeah. 
And, you know, unlike Instagram, you know, you you don't just write to them and say, take this down, right? Right. <laughs> so that's, that's a whole nother thing. So, Evan, I understand, you know, why you're doing this as a class action. So, you know, for we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, Irvine. So we have to be a little bit more um, careful that we're not just talking to lawyers, although there are a lot of lawyers that listen and have podcasts, you know, listen to our podcast. But um, but also we have a lot of business people that drive by. So why don't we talk about what damages you're alleging and, and what this lawsuit, this class action is really about, Evan? Well, the the damages we're alleging are according to a, a particular statute we have here in California that protects misappropriation of likeness. Um, but but more to the to the core of the case is you know to get these websites to to stop this practice, to get them to stop posting this information. Like Brian said, optimizing it so it comes up as the first or second search result when you search for you know somebody's name, for example. Like you mentioned, somebody who may be looking for a job or trying to buy a home. Right. Uh, so, you know, taking away that profit motive that they have, uh, forcing these companies not to be able to charge to take this information down, uh, you know, really will, will go a long way to eliminating this practice from the Internet altogether. And mm-hmm. I think that's really our goal here. Yeah. So, um, Brian, uh, in August, uh, Governor Jerry Brown signed a new law that bans the practice of charging people to remove their mugshots from the Internet. So is this a vindication for your clients, or, or what's going to go on now? Huge step forward. The law doesn't go into effect until January, January of 2015. Oh, I got you. So you still have the lawsuit going on. H- have to continue to pursue the lawsuit yeah, because yeah. of what the damage they've already done, the money that they've already allegedly extorted, what we believe uh, they were up to, and to send a message, to send a strong message. And, of course, it only protects the people of the state of California. And the thing I'm you know, most concerned about with any of these laws, which are um, certainly a good step and you've got to do something, is these companies are like you know, sand on the beach slipping through your fingers. I mean, um, you oh, know, yeah. where one, one goes out of business, another one pops up. Right. Uh, we don't know where some of these companies are all located. We we believe this one's certainly located in the United States, but we don't believe where that we know where they're all located. And you know, I often have a picture of people in a bunker in some third world country perpetrating some of these internet frauds. Right. Right. Terrorists, ISIS, or whatever. Exactly. Who knows? Because they want to make money any way they can. So. Um, so it'll be good moving forward, hopefully. But you know, in in terms of this law, what is if if it it bans the practice? So what what is the uh, the result? I mean, is there a criminal violation if they do this, or or w- what is it? Is it just a civil uh, civil law, or what is this new law? You asking me your yeah? I mean, yes. Okay, <laughs> Evan, you're right. Thank you, <laughs> Evan. So the, the new law is designed to be used by private citizens. It's, it's, a, it's a, a law with a civil uh, penalty, and it's, it's a civil violation. Okay, so, so you can the, have a private right of action. It, it does contain a private right of action, absolutely. Okay, that's good. Because sometimes when you've got something that only the, attorneys, the attorney general can take or, you know, something like some governmental agency, then you don't have the same kind of redress. So that's that's really good. I wanted to ask you in your lawsuit, um, is it just California or is it nationwide? Um, the class action, is it is it nationwide? So people that live in other states that don't have this new California law also would um, this would help them as well? 
No, our lawsuit is, is simply limited to the people in the state of California okay. and brought okay. under California law, mostly because even predating this, this bill that's going to go into effect in January, California had pretty aggressive uh, right of privacy legislation and case authority, of course, because, you know, we're home to so many celebrities. It's evolved right. through that. But it really does protect average, ordinary people, too. Yes. And one of our theories in the lawsuit, Mari, was that this company was not just profiting from the charges that they were making for taking your mugshot down, but they were also profiting from selling uh, advertising on their websites. Mm. <laughs> oh, goodness. So your misfortune, yeah. not yours personal, but yeah. your, your misfortune in having a mugshot at some point in your life was a vehicle by which they were still advertising. And because of your likeness appeared up on the website, it offered them an opportunity to sell advertising and make money from, uh, from Internet advertisers. Potentially unsuspecting Internet advertisers, too. They didn't know where their, their ads were getting exported to, um, which is a whole other discussion about the Internet. Yeah. Huh. So um, recently, private companies also have taken action against some of the websites that actually charge fees to remove mugshots. So I understand MasterCard, American Express, and Discover are, are kind of cutting off ties with these sites. And uh, so what do you think about that? Is that going to have an impact, or what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I think that anything that chokes off the profit of People who abuse private information is a good thing. Anything mm-hmm. that chokes off their profit. Because, uh, let's face it, we don't believe any of these companies are doing this for altruistic reasons. We don't think that they're doing it because they think it's important to get mugshots out there or whatever the privacy violation is. Right. We think they're doing it for one clear purpose. It's to make money. And if we can eliminate their ability to make money, and if these companies uh, agree that, and what I mean by companies is MasterCard, American Express, whoever, agree that this is wrong and it's not something that they want to support and that they're not going to offer them credit card support, then that does eliminate a lot of the um, money-making opportunities. Not all of them, because they can still insist upon prepaid cash cards or uh, other forms of payment, but it does make it a lot more difficult for them to make money. Yeah. So, Evan, if, if someone is listening and they find themselves in a situation where their image or information is put on a website without their consent, um, what should they do? What, what recourse do they have? Well, I think the first step would be to, you know, try and contact the company. Uh, you know, some of our clients have sometimes had success uh, just contacting them, explaining a situation. Uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It, you know, sometimes that can have an effect, but more often than not, ineffective because these companies aren't going to just take this stuff down they're only if you pay the fee right so you know my my advice is to contact an attorney uh see what can be done and with the specific situation that that each individual is presented with and see if uh you know something can be done to to help that person redress that grievance well now that we have this this new law coming into um you know, going to be enact. It's enacted, but it will be effective January of 2015. Um, you got a little more teeth now because you've actually got a private right of action, right? And so that seems like now it will be much more clear um, as to the rights that you have to sue them. Is that correct, Brian? You got a lot of rights out there, and we have to remember those those rights exist, and we have to know that after January we're going to have this additional arrow in the quiver. But 
it's only because people like the class representatives in our case come forward that we're going to be able to stop these kinds of companies. Uh, and, and I really fear that, that one thing on the horizon here is if we don't get more aggressive with them, they will get more aggressive with us. Right. And it's it's going to continue to be a problem until we can completely figure out a way to balance between the, the concern that all of us have about free dissemination of information, the First Amendment, all of those legitimate issues that I do believe in against the fact that this should not become an opportunity or device for um, unscrupulous few to make money. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a woman call me that was a model in California, and someone took her face and put it on a website, um, in a in a pornographic website, um, in a German website, and she could not get them to take it down. Now, I know that there's been similar stuff here in California where um, you can charge, I think it was, as identity theft, right? Can't you do that? It, yeah, that's so, right. So we've got this this balance between the First Amendment, right, the 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 free speech, and the right of privacy. How does that how does that get balanced out, Brian? Well, I think that we can look at extremes and understand not specifically where the lines drawn, but understand what you can't do. Once you decide that you're going to make profit off of um, any kind of communication that's no longer considered absolute protected free speech. So uh, if you're going to make a profit off of it, there's a, there's a lower standard for that kind of speech. And what I really mean by that is that if you're trying to profit off of some kind of information, we look at it with a stricter scrutiny, to mm-hmm. use law school terms. Mm-hmm. And we look at those very closely to make a determination about whether or not um, this is legitimate or this is a legitimate dissemination of free information. And then, of course, people who aren't public figures, which is most of us, um, we have more protection than people who are public figures. And when you ultimately look at some of the key issues that we're facing today, I would say that, that this question of free speech, while it's very important, we have to be looking at the rights of individuals. And that's what's so important here is what are the rights of people when it comes to private confidential information. Yeah, and you know, you had mentioned in your article about nine states now, including California, have cyber harassment laws which prohibit parties from distributing sexually explicit images, you know, without the consent of the subject with, thank goodness. But we've seen horrible things happen, you know, especially with young people, teenagers, college students, that there's been this revenge porn going out there and um, and people commit suicide. So, right. yeah. So what do you think of that, Evan? I mean, are you guys taking cases like that, hopefully before uh, before someone commits suicide? You know, I, I think that, that that really goes to the heart of some of these practices and that the example you're identifying here is maybe the most insidious of these practices. Yes. Uh, you know, the dissemination of you know, an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend, you know, p- publishing or posting uh, pictures or videos that were otherwise intended to be private. Um, it, it, it's really outrageous conduct, and uh, I think it's the kind of thing that's extremely difficult to identify after the fact. 
yeah. and um, and and have any have any way to remove after the fact. Exactly. So it's certainly you know it's certainly conduct we we look at very carefully. Yeah, and we just have like another minute. I just want to ask you, Brian. Um, you know, I know you you guys are wearing the white hats. So for you, why is fighting internet extortion websites really so important to you personally? Well, I, I'd say for the last decade or so, the internet has intrigued me, and it really has been the wild west. And I think that somebody has to step forward and protect the rights of the more than 300 million people that live in California, in the United States, and the 38 million people that live in California, and if somebody isn't doing it, it's not going to get done. And if the only thing we can do, because we're not prosecutors, is hold people fiscally responsible through civil lawsuits. So I like it. I like doing it. I like protecting people with it. And I like feeling like I made a difference. And we're going to be watching this case. So thank you both so much. And you can find out more about them at www kblawyers.com. And thank you both, Brian and Evan. You're doing a great job, and I'll be looking for more articles by you guys, okay? Thank you, Mari. We appreciate it, and appreciate having the opportunity to be on. Okay, bye-bye, Evan. You too. Bye. Thank you, Mari. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. On the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org at uh, KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.